0: Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit sugarhillchurch.com. Thank you. You can have a seat. It is, uh, it's already been a great morning. We had a wonderful service at 9.30 with a packed house and kids galore over in the chapel and downstairs. The name of the room is City Gate. I, I had a brain freeze there and I couldn't quite pull it out. So um, when I was a little boy... I loved baseball, loved it, still love it. But my, my dad moved us from uh, Daytona Beach to New England. We lived in a little town called North Kingstown, Rhode Island. And so when, when you live in Rhode Island, you're a Red Sox fan. I mean, you just, you just love the Red Sox. And I grew up a Red Sox fan. And I remember, and this will show you how old I am, but I remember when my dad took me to Fenway Park. The Big Green Monster, Carl Yastrzemski, Jim Lonborg, Rico Petroselli, man, it was good. And they were playing the dreaded Yankees. My theory on the Major League Baseball is ABY, anybody but the Yankees. And you know who was still playing to show you how old I am? Mickey Mantle. Yeah, I'm old. Of course, at the time, he looked older. Mickey was awesome. And when we played ball out in the lot, everybody wanted to be Mickey because he was unbelievable. Mickey squandered and wasted his career because he basically drank himself out of being able to be a great ball player. And he partied his life completely out of being able to extend his career. And his life was shortened because he just lived a crazy, crazy life. On his deathbed, a ball player by the name of Bobby Richardson came to see him and he led Mickey Mantle to Christ. And I, I can't wait to someday in heaven play ball with Mickey Mantle. But on Mickey Mantle's deathbed, here's the message he gave. He said, God gave me the ability to play baseball. God gave me everything, he said. But for the kids out there, here's my message don't be like me. Wow. The problem was everybody wanted to be Mickey. But what Mickey recognizes, whatever you do, don't be like me. This week on Facebook, I asked you to send me some one word ideas, thoughts, characteristics, traits of people that you would want to follow, people you would want to emulate or imitate. And you put things like compassion, sincerity, authenticity, patience, humility, selflessness. You gave me a good, good list. I thought it was really good. It reminded me of back when we had one of those bad ice storms here in Atlanta, one of the kinds that leaves you about two inches of ice on, 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 you can't get a shovel underneath it. You can't do anything with it. So this guy goes out into his driveway and because, here in the South, we don't carry things that are necessary to clean ice and snow, which are straight from the devil anyway and so so ice is covered it 's about two and a half inches deep, so the only thing this guy has is his kid's baseball bat. so he takes the bat and he goes out and he 's got to get his car where he can get out of his driveway. so he takes his baseball bat and he starts swinging it against the ice and eventually breaks all the ice up where he can get a shovel underneath it, and he shovels the ice the other way. Sweat's pouring off of him. It's 27 degrees. He's wrapped up because it's cold. And he's saying, man, I'm tired of this. So he goes inside. He leaves the baseball bat on the porch, goes in, turns on Sports Center, watching Sports Center and having a cup of coffee. And he's thinking, well, I'll work on my car later. Well, like about 20, 25 minutes goes by and he's watching the Sports Center and his little boy comes in. He says, daddy, daddy, daddy. And he said, "Yes, yeah, son, what is it? He said, I cleaned your car off. To which he said son what'd you clean the car off with the same way you did dad (laughs) not cool not cool but you know what that kid knew to do was to imitate his daddy we all imitate somebody and somebody imitates us we all imitate somebody and somebody imitates us today when you came in there was a uh, little name tag that you got would you pull that out and then if you would just kind of peel it off there you go just peel it off and then when you do find the spot on you and just stick it alright then when you stick it slap it you ready double slap triple time alright now now that you got that what I want you to see is what it has to say imitate me as I Imitate blank. In Luke chapter 10, verse 37, we taught about this a few weeks ago, that the good Samaritan got off his donkey and did something to help this guy that was in great need left for dead. And so as he got off his donkey and he went and did something, what happened was that conversation, that story that Jesus told, the good Samaritan that we know of that story, what happened was an attorney of the law, of the Old Testament law, looked at Jesus and he said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus told the story of the good Samaritan. And at the end of the story, then the attorney looked at him and said, well... Which one is my? Na- which one would be the neighbor? And, and the guy Jesus said, "Which one of these guys would be your neighbor?" And the guy said, "Well, I, I guess the one who showed mercy." Now listen, I guess the one who showed mercy. You know what Jesus said to him? Go and do. Say it out loud. Likewise. Go and do likewise. Well, now there's a whole nother context that's brought up in in over in First Corinthians chapter eleven verse one. If you take your Bibles and flip over to First Corinthians chapter eleven? In verse 1, in, uh, in chapter 10, verse 31, right before it, it says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. And then he makes this statement in chapter 11, verse 1. He says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Now, this is a pretty bold statement. Paul, the, 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 the one who penned the vast majority of the New Testament, says... Follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Be more like this because I follow Christ. Now, it's a bold statement that you could look at and say, wow, Paul, you're kind of full of yourself, aren't you? Or you could look at it and say, Paul, why are you saying this? And I believe Paul gives us some reasons as to why he says this. And the the bottom line is, I believe Paul says, listen, I want you to look at me and I want you to see so much Jesus ooze out of me that when you see me, you will want to imitate Christ, not just me. You see, we all imitate imitate something we all act like something I mean imitate me as I imitate Donald Trump imitate me as I imitate Lady Gaga imitate me as I imitate Miley Cyrus you see at the end of the day we all imitate something don't we you say it's easy to pick on on those folks but you know the fact of the matter is if somebody looked at you and you wore this name tag as you walked into the office, imitate me as I imitate blank, what would your blank be? Who do you imitate? Well, I'll tell you, Chuck, I, I imitate the guy who's got the lake house and the boats and the jet skis and I want all that. Oh, okay. Well, I tell you what, Chuck, I, I, I imitate that girl because of how she looks and, and what she wears. And Oh, okay. But what Paul says here is this. The only reason to imitate me is the presence of Jesus in me. The only reason to imitate me is because of the power of Jesus in me. The only reason to imitate me is that Jesus within me offers you grace and mercy and hope because in my humanity, I offer you nothing good. So he says, imitate me. Why? Because I'm trying to imitate Christ. You know, I've noticed several things about this text. I believe, first, Paul gives us this example of a relationship with God. I believe as he says this, he's saying, you know, imitate me because I have this relationship with God. You know what I've found about true and meaningful and purposeful and loving relationships? I have found that communication is easy. In a real relationship, communication is easy. I find Jenny and I talk about everything. We talk about everything under the sun. I mean, it's amazing how how much we talk. You know why? Communication at times may be loud, but it's easy. Because we talk about everything. I mean, the fact of the matter is, if you come talk to me about something, odds are good she knows it. We talk about everything. She's my accountability partner. She's my friend. She's my buddy. I mean, it's easy. You know, the second thing I've noticed is that in a real relationship, time together is easy. Somebody, somebody said to me the other day about something, some picture we had together doing something silly on Facebook. And you know what? They said, y'all just seem to do all the... You just seem to do so much cool things. You know what? We, we don't really do that many cool things. I mean, we're just... I promise you, we're slugs like everybody else. But when we, when we do things, they're together. We found it's easy because in a real relationship, you do life together. You know what else I found? I found that in a real relationship, sharing problems is easy. You know when... When my day stinks, you know who I go to? I go to those that I love the most. How about you? I'll tell you what else I've learned, that in a real relationship, service to and for that person is easy. You say, well, Chuck, that that doesn't sound like my marriage. Well, let me ask you a question. If your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or in the relationship you desire... If this relationship vertically in the Lordship of Jesus isn't right, your relationship with your friend, your spouse, or your loved one will never be right this way. Ever. Paul's saying, imitate me because I'm imitating Christ because I want you to have everything he wants for you and I want you to lay your head on the pillow at night and know he's got you. I want you to imitate me so that you can have his peace. I want you to imitate me so you can have his power. You see, it's it's Paul's example of a relationship with God, but it's also Paul's example to follow the right path. Over in Romans chapter 7, we read time and time again about how, how Paul is fighting against what's normal. I mean, he has this ongoing, ongoing dialogue in Romans chapter seven, where he talks about my flesh wants this, but the spirit wants that my desire wants this, but God wants that my sinful nature wants this, but God's righteousness wants that. And he talks about how this overwhelming battle happens in our lives. And his choice is, I want to imitate Christ. Therefore, these decisions are made. You see, I really believe in most of our lives, if we'd make about two big decisions, all the other ones are easy. You say, well, Chuck, tell me, what are the two? Well, I can tell you one of them. And one of them is this, am I going to surrender my life to get the Lordship of Christ right in my life? And if you do that, the second question is, then am I gonna trust him with my relationships this way? You say, well, Chuck, that sounds so simple. Listen to me, folks. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's not difficult. That, that's not a complex equation. And so in our life, literally, he's saying, have this example of my relationship with God, but have this example to choose the right path. Fight against the norm. Fight against the flesh. And then he has this commitment to stay the course. Look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 10. In verse 8, it says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. There's one of those church words manifested. Now watch this. Here's literally what it's saying. So that the presence of Jesus is so alive that it is so present that it is so trusted upon that everything you do, is just you're experiencing and you're oozing out of Jesus. You ever been around somebody and when you left them, you thought, man, it's just good. I just feel better from having been around them. I, I feel sharper. I feel, I, feel, I feel better. I feel more at peace. I feel encouraged. You know why? That is the manifestation of the presence of Jesus in their life. You say, well, that whole manifestation thing, Chuck, I, I did not figured that out yet. Okay? Watch this. Surrender trust the real presence of Jesus, I now experience him and it's manifested in my life because people around me see it, know it, and I live it. Make sense? Nod with me. You with me? Can I watch this? Here's the story. There we are in our sinful nature. There God is who loves us. Our sin separates us from him. He said, but I love you so much. So he sends Jesus, born of a virgin, lives a perfect sinless life, dies on a cross and sheds his blood to pay the price for my sin and your sin. They put him in a tomb, seal up the tomb, and the whole world is dark and bleak and without hope. Day one goes by, what are we going to do? Day two goes by, we're in a mess. Day three comes, what in the world should we do? And Jesus on day three rises up out of that table of rock in that tomb, stands up and looks at the rock and the rock, probably several thousand pounds, stands between him and life outside of that tomb. And Jesus looks at that tomb and I imagine him going, and he walks out of that tomb. And as he does, later he ascends to heaven and sits by the right hand of the Father. And as we surrender to him, someday he says, well done, good and faithful servant and gives us life more abundantly here and eternally forever in glory. And that, my friend, is the manifestation of the gospel of Jesus in our life today. So you look at that and say, why would I imitate that? Because of life more abundantly, and life eternally. Now, it goes on, and he makes this great point. But if you go on down in that same verse, in in verse 16 in Second Corinthians chapter 4, it says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient." but the things that are unseen are eternal. And then he goes on in chapter five, verse one, he says, for we know that if the tent, which is our earthly home, this body is destroyed, we have a building, not a tent, but a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. You know what Paul is saying to us here? Imitate me as I imitate Christ, because in Christ, he's got you. In Christ, when your world falls apart, there he is. In Christ, when nothing else is going right and all the world has deserted you and all your friends have turned their back back on you, there he is because you can imitate me as I imitate him because he won't ever leave you nor will he disappoint you. You look at this and say, man, that's pretty rich, Chuck. Just stay the course. But then you see Paul's commitment to consistency over in Philippians chapter four, verses 11 and 13. Look with me if you would. Philippians chapter four. Matter of fact, let's just start in verse 11. Not that I am speaking of being in need, For I have learned in whatever situation, listen to this, I am to be, listen to this word, content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. You know what he's saying? I know what it is to have a bunch and I know what it is to have nothing. I know what it is to be thrown in prison and I know what it is to have freedom I know what it is to be beaten, and I know what it is to be healthy. I know what it is to be spat upon, and I know what it is to be emulated. Paul says, in all those things, I have become content, whether I have much or I have little. And then he says, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then he gives you the secret sauce. You ready? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Imitate me because I'm going to imitate that. A God who says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You say, well, who do we want to be like? Well, a Barna research group recently did a study of teenagers age 13 to 17. It might surprise you. After family, teens mentions teachers and coaches in this order. Friends, pastors they know personally. Add that up with 37% of teens that named a relation other than their parent as the person they admire most listen to these qualities that they wanted to imitate. 26 attributed their, 26% attributed their choice to personal traits. 22% said they chose role models they would like to follow in the footsteps of. 11% named encouragers. The role model accomplished his or her goals, 13%. They overcame adversity, 9%. They worked hard, 7%. percent their intelligence. intelligent, 7%. They performed humanitarian effort or mission, 6%. They maintained a strong faith, 6%. They had talent, 5%. They exig- self-confidence, 1%, and less than one-half of 1% said either wealth or fame. Paul then gives us this last point of clarity. In John fourteen six, Jesus made this declarative statement. You ready? He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except for me. You know what he's saying? Imitate me as I imitate the way the truth and the life. What Paul is saying is imitate me because I know Jesus is the only way imitate me because all truth comes from him and imitate me because eternal life is in his hands. He's saying, imitate me so we can walk the way. He's saying, imitate me so we can know the truth. And he's saying, imitate me so that I can have that life. Why? Because Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. Hebrews 4.15, we have a God who have been tempted as we were, but yet he was sinless. Quick poll, we've done it before. How many of you have done something wrong? How many of you have committed some sin this week? Can I see your hands? Very good. Okay, anybody here perfect this week? Anybody? Want to take a shot at that one? I mean, not that I'd call you out or anything. Yeah, I would, but yeah, you see, you know what he's saying? That Jesus came and experienced temptation so that he would know how not just to sympathize for us, but to empathize with us and walk with him. Imitate me as I imitate him. Why? Because he's walked in our steps, and yet he was fully God and fully man. And in those steps... He lived a perfect sinless life. Secondly, Jesus showed us that greatness comes through humility and serving others. In Mark 10, 45, here's what we know about Jesus. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Imitate me as I see someone who serves other people. And then Jesus defeated the heart of every problem that causes us to fall, that causes us problems, that causes us to mess up. He defeated sin. He defeated death. And no matter how great somebody might be, they can never, ever save themselves from sin apart from Jesus. All men have sinned according to Romans 3.23. And that's why Paul says, imitate me as I imitate him. So I suppose the only thing left to ask you is this. According to this tag, who do you imitate? Because that's how other people will imitate you. Imitate me as I imitate the one who loved us that much. Would you pray with me? With heads bowed and with eyes closed, listen, friend. You may be here today and you have never been able to settle in your heart Jesus and the Lordship in your life and being able to say, I need him, I I need to start my life over, I need to know he's got me, I need to know he holds me. You know, the Bible says if you call upon the name of the Lord... You'll be saved. And that word saved is literally saying "Then you'll accept the lordship of Jesus. Let him be the boss of your life. Let him take over. Let him reside in your heart and give you a brand new life. And it's easy as saying something like this, please forgive me of my sin. I know I've made a mess. Come into my life and be my savior. And I want to turn my life around, Jesus. I want to live for you. And I want to thank you for dying for me and raising from the dead for me paying for my sins if that's your prayer today and that's the desire of your heart today with every every head bowed and with every eye closed I'm going to ask you so nobody can see just real easy and gently just slip your hand up about 10 people in the first service said that yeah 10 more people in this room said the same thing today. So in a minute, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to do a little old school here today. We're going to do an old-fashioned invitation. And in that invitation, what we're going to ask you to do is two things. For those of you that prayed and gave your life to Christ today, we're going to ask you, in just a minute, I'm going to have growth group and community group leaders just come up here and stand and any pastors that are that are in the room and not teaching somewhere right now just come stand up here and i'm gonna ask you when we start singing if you lifted your hand and you said yes to christ i'm gonna ask you to just go to one of those folks and say hey can i just i prayed with christ what do i do i prayed with chuck to ask christ into my life what do i do now they won't embarrass you they won't stand up for anybody they'll literally just sit down and help you but for the rest of you here that that you know you're saved you know you're in the right place God wants you to be I'm going to ask you while we sing to come up and there's, there's baskets up here at the altar and they're, they're little plastic bags they're not even the size of a sandwich bag and we're going to ask you to take the, that bag home we're going to ask you to pray over it at the end of every day when you throw your change into a, into a drawer into a bucket or wherever you put your loose change we're going to ask you to put it in this little bag and we're just going to ask you when your bag's full just bring it back And 100% of what we do, we're going to use to feed orphans in Haiti. 100% of it. We're going to make it easy for those of you who prayed and gave your life to Christ. So I want to invite you, if you're a community group leader, or you're a growth group leader, or you're a pastor on our staff, I'm going to ask you to just come up here now and just stand. And there may be some folks come up to you today and say, I prayed with Chuck today. I want, to, I want to get my life right. We're going to make it so easy on you so you're not embarrassed. You're not the only one because we're going to have a ton of people coming moving up here to grab these bags. So I'm going to ask you to do two things. If, if you want to come join this church and know what it's about, you come and talk to one of these folks. Today, if you prayed and gave your life to Christ or you want to, come and talk to one of these folks. If you want to come grab one of these bags and take them back and let that be a part of your worship to serve and minister to these kids, you come. So Heavenly Father, do what only you can do in this time and draw our hearts and draw our lives to serve you and to love you and to know you more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.